Yo, yo, what is good, my people? It's your boy, Big Drizzlax. Thank you so much for joining me in another episode here at the Drizzlax Hip Hop Show here at OGHQ. Uh, this week, we've got a special guest in one of the homies, Nick Millen. He's an artist. He used to run a gallery here in Melbourne as well down in Collingwood, one of my favorite parts of town. And I kind of had this Seinfeld moment where, you know, where George and Seinfeld are talking to NBC about pitching this show that's basically about nothing. I mean, it's about something, but it's about nothing. And <laughs> when George is in that scene, he's going, no, it's about nothing. And, and Seinfeld's like, well, you know, it's kind of about something. And I kind of feel like there are a lot of people out there that are involved in scenes, but never really get that recognition that, you know, like somebody ran an art gallery for like five, 10 years or whatever, or like a DJ that was DJing for ages, and but he was like the warm-up DJ. I mean, that's, I'm kind of talking about myself. I was never the main guy up on stage i was always the guy before the guy <laughs> so i think there's a lot of conversations out there that need to be explored and when you look at people like joe rogan as well i mean he's going through his shit right now but when you look at people like joe rogan he has so many different types of people on there from so many different walks of life and i just think that the conversations from all fronts are amazing and uh, i kind of feel like me and nick really got into some shit right here that is really interesting we actually spoke about the monkey blood virus as well for a bit uh probably about an hour and a half actually but i'm not going to put that shit down because i don't know i just don't really want to talk about that shit anymore and uh just i'm not sure what i'm going to do with that content maybe i'll just give it to nick and he can do something with it but i took the 45 minutes out that i thought that you guys would enjoy and it's definitely a dope little conversation and it's a part of melbourne that really was alive 10 years ago 15 years ago the street art scene and yeah i think you guys are going to enjoy this so i'm going to stop yammering right now if you guys want to buy me a coffee there is a link underneath you can literally donate five dollars towards the show and uh if not just listening is uh, actually helping me and supporting me and maybe just tell a friend about it maybe rate you know that will help also with the show pushing the show forward all that kind of stuff is greatly appreciated but yeah i'm gonna stop yammering hope that you're all doing well out there this is the conversation with artist nick millen let's go Yeah, I kind of always thought about like these crazy guests that you have on podcasts, they achieve certain things and whatever. And I just want to talk about, you know, the things that you've been doing, like since we saw each other last, you were doing the gallery thing and maybe you can like expand on that. And Sure. So yeah, what happened after uh, the since, Beehive? Since we saw each other about yeah, what, 13, what, you went 14 years ago. You went overseas? Yeah, so I, I took a trip. I ended up traveling through the Middle East. I was running out of money in Europe and cut through the middle east and spent time in egypt and europe was too um, expensive yeah i was running out of money fast like because i burn the euro. i burn bro like it's yeah. i i'm I, and i don't think yeah you know i'm not I'm like the same. Oh, i'm not like oh next week no i'm the same it's gonna be a struggle i'll live I'm for like, the moment burn yeah you know? like and um i'm like hey, if i don't eat tomorrow i don't care as long as i had a good time today i've done that for years <laughs> I'm, I'm slowly maybe starting to yeah. be a bit wiser just mm. in terms of um yeah it happens at a certain point but that's part of the fucking paradox as well like my solution to that is just work harder earn more mm. yeah well that's yeah that's what i do <laughs> you that's know, what yeah. i do so you can sort of sustain that sort of basically middle um, east tell me about that it was amazing bro like i spent about a month in egypt i felt Damn. like that was kind of the that was big life-changing stuff to go into that part of the world at, at the age of 20 yeah and um and see that shit a lot of that put me on the path i'm on really i think Kind of just going into places like the Valley of the Kings and mm. and and the pyramids and stuff, and yeah. kind of like um, just med meditating history. and uh, on that and seeing that and just kind of ruminating on that. And you know they got the the Pepsi signs and and all of that Western world shit. But it's it's still there, you know. Did you go to museums there? Yeah, went to the Museum of Cairo. How was the, that? Well, it was it was very busy. 
Yeah. It's not like going into like the places in New York or whatever, you know, mm. or like um, all the British Museum and stuff. It's like there's stuff everywhere in the Cairo Museum. Yeah. It's like, it's pretty chaotic. But I guess like it depends what you're into. But for me, it was just like the auras off everything and just who knows even what we're looking at, you know, this is the thing. I mean, it's a whole other conversation, but like yeah, getting up. into like Egyptian history and stuff. And yeah, what have tripped you out? What 20, the timelines sure. were. And, but that got me going on the whole thing of like what what's the history and what's the real history? It's like conspiracy territory, but it's like, what, mm. how long does this thing go back in? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the pre-civilizations and all of that shit got me, got me super fascinated. And yeah. um, I went into, went to Jordan, went to Petra, so then went across into Syria, went to Lebanon, Israel, Palestine, and then came back through Syria and into Turkey and all of that was like overland except for a little boat from Egypt to, to Jordan. And then mm. you're back, I got into Serbia, all, yeah. all overland. But now, you know, I don't know if you can go through Syria now, but that's sort of such a key to that mm. sort of area being accessible by mm-hmm. via land. You went to Serbia. Where, whereabouts were we there? I Were we in Belgrade I, I or something? I just went to Belgrade, dude. I okay. come out. Of, I came out of the Middle East. I've been, you didn't get fucking um, robbed over there or what? No, I just went to some good nightclubs. Because that was also, it spent three months travelling through the Middle East. You sort of get a bit of like, it's a bit different in Turkey, mm. uh, up in Istanbul and stuff. You can get a drink and stuff. But Serbia was like the first place we hit where it was like, you're out of the Middle East. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you're going to go to a proper nightclub. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we just partied there but um so it, you just felt like a party week i don't feel like i i it's could crazy, have almost man. been anywhere in the world but to see the shelled out buildings in serbia and stuff mm. they keep them there as a reminder you know of, of what's happened there and stuff is, is pretty epic yeah and so i came back and um i actually did one year of study and uh it just wasn't for me at the time and i was just like what am i doing and like i sort of thought i would you know do something and uh i sort of had that attitude of like i wanted to make art at the time i was in theater i was doing acting well that had been my passion anyway i wasn't so much in it um, as it was sort of like something that i was passionate about Uh, me and a few different friends we worked on stuff and you know another friend of mine we we wrote something together and put it on you know we had a cast of 20 and you know it went really well and then we did that two more years the next year we did a play with 11 yeah. But then the third year, it was like everyone was working or doing uni and, you know, you either pay actors or people doing it for the love and it turned out to be me and one other mate by the third year, you know. Yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. kind of at that point where it was like people grow up and they don't do shit for free and mm. it's not a hobby anymore. And then I started doing street theatre and that was my first exhibition, 2010 Protest Playground in Collingwood and there was six videos of street performances and uh, that sort of brought me into art. Really, yeah. like I hadn't thought about exhibiting it until then. And then I was living in Collingwood with my brother. Him and a friend were going to start a shop front doing some furniture that his when friend was this? had restored. So this is 2010. He got busy opening a cafe in North Melbourne, which mm-hmm. was Rollador, which he ran for about nine years, I think. And um, he was at the early days of that. And his mate didn't want to do the furniture uh, shop. It was sort of not ready to do it or whatever. And this sort of front space fell to me and... I saved up seven grand, man, in a year. Worked at Campari House in the city yeah. um, as a waiter doing 40, 50-hour weeks and saved up and um, got a little gallery started. Word. And then a, a friend of mine. On Smith Street? That was on Johnson Street opposite Johnson? the tote. And I called oh, it, word, word, called yeah. it uh, Egg Gallery. Uh-huh. So that's near Northside Records and shit. It was this Gertrude, right? Oh, that's Gertrude. My that's bad. Gertrude. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. bro. Johnson's but we were down near the, near one, the opposite yeah, yeah, the tote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah. Corner of Johnson and Wellington oh, that next to the well. Raffles place. Yeah, Mike's missus used to be down there. Yeah, but yeah, in the zone. And mm-hmm. um, and then that was about to open and then I was sitting with a friend and we were having coffee one day looking across and he was like, oh, well, that place would be a, a good gallery, sort of in that headspace of like, mm. you know. And I'm like, yeah, it would be, you know. And, and, and he's like, well, we should see what it costs. It was cheap there, man, at the time, to be honest. Like, yeah. you know, we, we paid $2,300 a month for Damn. 210 square metres in Collingwood. See, when you say that's cheap, to me, that ain't cheap. Well, it was, it was cheaper than it is now. Because for me, I go like, oh, i got to pay, like, my living shit, and then i got to pay that. Yeah, but I wasn't worried about living. Oh, okay. 
I, I, I'll be living in the back <laughs> of that motherfucker, bro. <laughs> yeah. You know me, bro. Yeah, we had a little mezzanine in there. And oh, did you? I couch hopped and, Psh, you know, slept bro. at mum's, slept with girlfriends. Or slept with girlfriend at the time and, mm. you know, things like that. Like it was just like, just make yeah, it work. Yeah, when you're you know? young. You know, just yeah, do yeah, whatever yeah. it takes and yeah. uh, get the thing started. And we took that at the end of September and we were having a show at the end of October. That's sick. And so by the end of 2011, I was running these two spots and a good friend of mine That's also crazy, had man. a great design suggestion in that warehouse. So we, we built a wall in there which subdivided it so we didn't have to kind of pay the whole rent on having exhibitions and shows. And so we had five studios in there as well which yeah. people rented through the years and um it was great man like house of bricks was um a little institution in collingwood there for a while for some people and it was um it was very it was very special to 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 me and and to a lot of people that were involved in it i guess from there it was like there were some years i was fully in that and then i was you know but it, and i was in my mid-20s i wanted to do can shit I, um, can i just say that there is something about that part of Melbourne that is absolutely magical, bro. Mm. Honestly, Smith Street, Gertrude Johnson, Brunswick Street, bro, some of the best times of my life have mm. been down in that little part of town. Definitely. From DJing at, at First Floor. First Floor was a fun place. Yeah. Uh, what's the other joint called on Johnson? The one next to the Spanish joint. Oh, like the Casa Iberica. No, yeah, oh, I don't yeah, know. laundry, laundry. Yeah, I used to DJ there too. Yeah, um, my missus lived down on Smith Street. I used to work at a wine place called uh, like a clear skin wine place on on Smith Street. Oh yeah, clean skins. Yeah, AGL. I think what the fuck. Yeah, was yeah, it? yeah. I know that place. We used yeah. to get we used so to get used stuff to work there, there for the for the gallery opening yeah. sometimes. Yeah, you get your own labels printed and all that shit. I used to work there, so. Mm. And even just when I first moved to Melbourne, like I fell in with these artists that like by total mistake, um, I went into the city on the wrong night and they were just setting up the gallery. Mm. So, and I ended up meeting the who's who of like Melbourne, uh, like street artists. Mm. And um, it was like Stan and Bones and Ha Ha, um, Braddock and Amac and all these dudes mm. that were doing amazing things at the time. And yeah, I came on the wrong night the yeah. night before and none of them had money. I had heaps of weed on me <laughs> and I just got paid through the doll. Yeah. And I ended up fucking – and they were like, yo, what are you doing? I was like, well, I got this weed and I freestyle and shit. Like I love hip-hop. And they were like, oh, you love hip-hop? Like let's kick some raps. Oh, well, you got weed? Like come in. I was like, I just got paid. How come you cunts don't have any alcohol? And they were like <laughs> – we're all broke artists and I was like, let me go get a couple of slabs and like <laughs> fucking ha-ha this dude. Re I know him, bro. Yeah. yeah he, exhi he exhibited at one the of House my, of Bricks. One of my best friends in the whole wide world, oh, bro. Oh, no shit. Well, shout out he to He just got to married Regan, and yeah. shit. Yeah, Regan, bro. He ended up uh, just coming with me and grabbing a slab and then AMAC was like, yo, uh, you are you DJ? Like he was like, yo, you want to do this thing in Hosier Lane? So I ended up DJing. Mm. In Hosier Lane and Regan fucking paid me with one of his wow. pieces, bro. He's and a generous heart, man. He was doing amazing shit. Oh, he was no. doing like 30 stencils cut out to come up with like one image and shit at the time. Yeah. So I just remember the galleries down on, on Smith Street, bro, that and Brunswick Street that we used to go to like yeah. in 2000. Five, six, seven. Like this is the shit that I was doing when we were working at the Beehive yeah. together. But I don't know if like it wasn't really something that me and you probably talked about all that much. Like, yeah, like I mean, I guess I came into it for my interest in theatre, that which then sort of grew into sort of art. But then also, even even the decision to run the gallery was more like at the start was more like almost, I wouldn't say practical, but it was like having a spot on the street, my brother and I were sort of talking about it, where we were next to another gallery off the curb gallery, backwards mm. was around the corner, a couple of places that were in that area at the time. Yeah. And you can run limited hours. It's like you could run Thursday to Saturday. You could be open three days a week. Mm -hmm. And so, we said, yeah, just pay to play, pay 500 bucks, cover the rent on the room, no commission. That's how we started. So how were you making the money? It just paid for the room on the rent. Like we basically made no money. 
It was basically yeah. just like the room costs $500 for a fortnight, mm. you know, have a show, no commission. Okay. But then it's like, you don't have to go in, it's not a cafe, you're not going in at the crack, mm. you got no prep. Mm. But then I took to it, man. I liked installing works. Yeah. You know, it got me into visual art, so got the, me into painting, so actually the, running the gallery. So the artist is paying you. Yes. And you're just paying the rent and you're breaking even. Exactly what we did. Basically just pay to play, pay for the rent on the room. Gradually over time, and particularly at House of Bricks, because there was no one living above that. Mm. So the Collingwood house, my brother lived upstairs. A couple of other mates lived upstairs too. I so was, you could get rent from them. Exactly. So yeah. the, the, the room was only a portion. The front room was only a portion of that. Yeah. So it was cheap. Because I remember when Regan was like, he used to have shows in galleries and shit like that, that the galleries would actually take 40% of each yeah, a lot of people find that he sold, a lot of people find know, that like, but he'd sell them for thing. crazy amounts of money. Like some of the pieces yeah. he was selling between twelve to eighteen hundred dollars and shit. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. like he did a thing in Tassie, I remember, and he ended up fucking coming back from Tassie with like seventy thousand dollars and shit because he like sold everything. But yeah, I mean, yeah. a lot of, I mean, Regan. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, he could speak for himself on it, but he, he sort of, he was always very, I thought he was always very generous. Like, yeah. he always kind of priced down. Yeah. So Regan that, was so always more about the art than anything work, else. Yeah, yeah. He didn't give a fuck about the money. Yeah, that's right. And still doesn't. And good to see him um, making work for the rallies in Perth. But yeah, so that's kind of how we started. And then gradually I went up to 10%. I learned a few things about, I guess, being involved. Um, like, sometimes if you've got no commission, no skin then it's sort of, that's not good yeah. because artists, they want you to work. Or not that they want that, but it's better if you're working for them rather than just saying, hey, come in and do it and I'm not earning. Mm. Um, if you're earning, you're in and you're actually trying to promote them and that's sharing their work. So yeah, even a little bit like, you know, we got up to, to 25%, I think, in the end. Um, but, you know, always lifted that slowly over five years and never wanted to go over 25% because it was still an artist run. Mm. But, you know, people think 40 and 50% is crazy in some ways, but in a commercial setup, it can be all right for an artist as long as uh, as long as the gallerist is, like, above board or whatever, But which is, mm. is not always the case. But because they're still bringing you to a clientele that you never meet. And then the price is adjusted. So you might say, oh, I'm happy to make 2000 on that painting. But then you sell it in a gallery and that gallerist puts 5000 on it and you're going 50-50. You're happy with what you're earning and the person buying it's happy to pay five. Yeah. And then the dealer's got skin in the game. So they're actually working for you. And if in a commercial setup you're not paying rent, you don't have any outlay yeah. except on the works themselves unless that's also being funded. In some cases it is. Like, so what was a lot of the stuff that you were showing? Like what, were the, what was the art that was coming through the doors? Because I know Melbourne changed a lot from the street art scene. Well, I was, I was very open. I showed, I like showed it was pretty much anyone that anything. came through to me. And yeah. then if I felt that like someone came to me and that they weren't ready for a show, mm. I would schedule it far in the future. Yeah. So I would say, look, like, like, I, don't think, that, I don't think that this is kind of – to the level of this space, yeah. eventually I was able to say things like this. Not in the first two years. I was yeah. just like, pay to play, let's go. Eventually I was able to say things like, um, look, I wouldn't show you tomorrow, yeah. but I'll show you in six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and so that's a good way to motivate people. It was very motivating and yeah. it gets a lot out of people. You mm. see, the amount of, of um, you know, improvement an artist can take on in a shorter period of time when they've got support and people actually interested and like yeah. teachers and all of that kind of stuff around them. Yeah. That might mean the world, it, like literally mean the world to somebody when you say things like that. It did to some people. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was special. We showed Regan and had a, a residency one summer when the gallery was like maybe in its like closing period. Mm. And I said, do you want to use the gallery as a studio for two weeks and have a show? And yeah. he did that. Um, That's crazy. Macca had a show there. Damn, I wish I'd come down and see that shit. Uh, lots of people, man. Like, Fuck, by 2010. Um, lots of group shows. Like, yeah, m too many to mention, man. But, yeah, I, I sort of, through that time I started I, I painting. Of, and I kind of envy you because of that shit. <laughs> I really do, bro. Like, you would have been down in the midst of all that shit, like, 2010 and just been, like, seeing everyone's side of, like, it's one of the reasons that I moved to Melbourne, man, because I, mm. I wanted to be around 
interesting people and I wanted to see things like this. I used to go to so many fucking galleries, man, when I first came to Melbourne. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, hopefully, we honestly, can, hopefully we can get back in there, Driz. Yeah, man, you go you down. Know? Like I used to mostly go down for the free booze, but I'd always see something on the wall that I really fucking dug. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I'd be yeah. like, "Yo, that shit's fat as fuck." You know, like if I had money, I'd actually buy that shit. Yeah, that's how I used to think back in the days. Like, I'll yeah. go for the free beer. But it was always funny because, like, I'd meet somebody that was, like, mad interesting, you know, like, especially some of the writers that I met yes. from around Melbourne and shit. Someone would, would yell out a name, like a something that you'd see at the train station and you'd be like, oh, that's that motherfucker, like, that's the guy. Yeah. You know, um, the people were, like, really interesting, man. Like, if anybody um, hasn't seen the DVD Rash, I don't know if you've seen oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, Rash. And yeah, Civil, it, Civil had a show with yeah, us, Civil's in Rash. It really, I think it kind of really captures a time, you know, like in Melbourne yeah, when doctor. shit was, like, blowing up. It was fucking insane. It was yeah, interesting, like I said, you know, to come in at 23. I envy and, you with uh, that shit. <laughs> yeah. That's living life, bro. That's, that's that old world shit I kind of oh, feel like. There's no regrets. To come into that at 23... And navigate it for for five years was it was I think it was brave it was a roller man. coaster and and I think a lot of people thought it was brave but in my head I was just like I just just doing what I was doing but I kept a very open door I didn't have consistency like a lot of gallerists and curators they want to have a program and mm. I respect that yeah but I was always like leave a window open you never know who's going to come in and we yeah. had so many shows from people who were just last minute in the country mm. you know that a writer that was in town uh or something like that and they'd be like oh is there any spots anywhere and someone to come maybe nick's got a spot yeah. you know so i kept an open door that's I, sick I, bro you know one week we'd be showing a street artist the next week we'd be showing uh, someone having their first exhibition who was painting canvases mm. you know we did performance we had a monthly uh spoken word night that's fat. We bro. had bands that played there and, and yeah. it was a studio and, you know, I spun records in the day and we had a coffee machine there. Nice. You know? So it was, I mean, it was it was something that people hadn't seen because I think what happens is, is people like set on an identity concept and they're like, this is what we're about. Mm-hmm. And we were just, we weren't really about anything. Yeah. You know, we... That's dope, And man. eventually we became about so actually the people that came there. Yeah. You know, it was, and then that allows a culture to build because you're actually leaving it up to your patrons yeah. to develop the culture yeah, yeah. rather than you prescribing That's fire, what the man. place is about. Yeah. But look, it was a lot of work. Like I was doing 70-hour weeks yeah. at least and not earning any income yeah. and sleeping in the mezzanine. But would you trade it for the world? <laughs> no. Yeah. Of course. It was, it was a great thing to do. And I wonder if kids at 20, 22 would ever do something that you did like that 12 years ago is that old world shit yeah is that pre-technology mobile phone shit where everybody's like staring into a screen right now we won't go on that tangent yeah yeah but like i love hearing that yeah i love hearing that that that's where you went like you went overseas after we worked together at a bar mm. and when you came back you jumped into one of my favorite, like I said, one of my favorite parts of Melbourne easily mm. where there is so much um, creativity I feel down yeah. there. The record shops, the art galleries, the people, the conversations, the mm. just the vibe, man, you know, like yeah, I think it's fantastic, bro. I really think it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I've still got a lot of love for, for the area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and look, you know, it's got the the apartments now, and it's it's changed feel, it's yeah. changed its face. You yeah, know? I kind of feel um, like the rich have kind of like, yeah, they've moved in a little bit, and the creatives have moved a little bit further up, kind of like Sydney, mm. like actual Brunswick, not North Fitzroy, but like further up into into Brunswick. I don't know. I don't know if I'm wrong about that, but it's I don't know. I live in Reservoir, bro. Like, yeah, <laughs> but yeah I yeah. like Reservoir, you know. Yeah, and um. I don't know. Melbourne's definitely gone through some transformations, that's for sure. Yeah, I think definitely people got priced out of that area and... You know, moved up more to like Northcote and like Brunswick, yeah. actual like Brunswick, Brunswick and... But it's still kind of a meeting place in a weird way. It's still that yeah. thing where it's like even because, if you're not yeah, living it's there, it's people a tram ride. maybe go there to, yeah. to hang out and, yeah, and there the is some legacy there with a few of the studios and a couple of people that have managed to earn good bucks in, in the yeah. arts that kind of hang in there. Yeah. 
But yeah, look, you know, that was the thing. I probably could have ran that place at break even for another couple of years. But, you know, it was also that point where I was like, I'm actually putting in so much energy and I couldn't even think about starting to pay rent somewhere. Mm. That sort of thing. I would do house sits. Mm. And then in that time, like I had a big show with an artist called Be Free. I helped him with his work. He had a studio at the gallery. He's an anonymous artist. So what kind of stuff? You might have seen the, it's on the street, paints like a, a girl. And now two girls with, uh, in sort of black and white and then does like coloured sort of, I'll show, I'd have to show you some photos, but the, the mm. artist is Be Free. Yeah. And we had a big show together where I basically installed the work and dealt with some of the sales and put that show on. So basically kind of curated us essentially or managed the show. Then, yeah, spent a month in New York and then that was kind of, you know, I just sort of took that money. as I got this opportunity to do like just do something special like a one-off yeah treat yourself treat myself all the hard work yeah and also like and also like a gift from a friend you felt like that was money that was insisted upon for my efforts but at the same time it wasn't even my art yeah so i was like i want to spend this on an experience you know and i remember going there and thinking i want to figure out if i'm actually going all the way into modern art like what is it on the wall this thing that everyone talks about the pollocks and the warholes like is it all fucking bullshit Mm. Or am I going to go and see it and am I, am I going to see something, mm. you know? And I saw something, you know, yeah. and it surprised me because yeah, yeah, I was yeah. quite cynical about it. And I came back and I said, I want to do this. And the gallery's been great, but I want to focus on painting. Mm-hmm. And then followed uh, some shows in Japan, Taiwan and Macau. Damn. And Wait, I let's, guess through let's, that. Let's go back to New York. What happened yeah. in New York? What did you see that was like? I mean, Pollocks, you kind of look at that shit and it's just splashed on shit. Yeah, I sort the of... The soup cans and you're like, man, what the fuck? Well, the, the soup cans actually, that was one of the things that surprised me. Well, look at how much it's influenced in pop culture, man. Like, it's done a lot. It has done a lot. And I guess for my the cynical part of me was like, all of these things are kind of manipulated. You mm. know, they're sort of the same way... I mean, we look at NFTs now or whatever, we could talk about that, but it's like... Anything can be valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all belie- It's all about belief. And mm-hmm. it's been like that since the dawn of time, you know. Yeah. Even money itself, all the things that we think, you know, I was disappointed in the last South Park episode for that. It's like, you know, they're talking about money like it's real. It's like, come on, dude. This is, a, you know, something that we use as a barometer for like trade. Mm. You know, have you read a David Graeber book? But it's interesting how something can kind of take sort of the cultural mythology of its time and shift it enough to sort of, reform like belief structures Mm. and i think that warhol was able to do that he was able to sort of very craftily take that belief system Mm -hmm. of contemporary post-war america and show it to itself yeah with a cheeky grin and say look at the bullshit that you believe in whilst Mm. at the same time i'm the new bullshit yeah you should believe in and uh, and he played a character his whole life he was so determined you know to just to be in that it's gangster to play the character to its fullest. Mm. He would never talk openly like her talking now. But, mm. you know, not every artist needs to be the same either. We might be in a time of greater transparency where it's like it's better to say how you feel. Yeah. But he never said how he felt. Or if he did, it was under very deep layers of character. And I think that that was that age looking back at itself and seeing its shallowness, but at the same time knowing that to get out of it or to, to eclipse it, so to speak, was also entering into a, another game, mm. that there was kind of no way out. So that shit woke up, like just woke some shit in you. Yeah, there was. And you were like, just "All right, feel I'm, like I'm that, committed." That the rebels will always be on the run. Yeah, and that rebels will always be crafty, and mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what you do. It's yeah. like the symbol is open. The symbol is like empty, and and you can make anything the symbol, but it, it's just capturing something more than that. Mm. And it doesn't matter if it's an NFT or a painting or this or that. It's all painting on a train. It's all the same. Mm. You know, like the object is open for the mythology or, or for the spirit to seep into. Mm. And um, I think I understood that and that's why I've always been interested in art because I also see it as the weaponry that fights against the deployment of that on, on, a, on a more sort of like institutional power level mm. where it's like they're always using the open symbol to kind of control people mm. and it's the artist that also fights for a certain amount of influence over the mythic landscape. Mm. It's fascinating. I love that shit. You know, and philosophers the same. 
there's not much difference between philosophers and politicians. You know, they both fight for, for space in the mythic arena. They say, my way, take my way, rather yeah, yeah, than that yeah. way or whatever. But, you know, there's obviously differences. But, but yeah, artists play in that arena, and that's why people sort of talk about the artist being, you know, truth to power, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, if you come out and do that, like wave the flag and chant or whatever, you might not be very effective. But yeah, if you yeah. come out in some mysterious way and do something weird that people don't understand, then, bang, you're, you're into mm. the world of sparking that curiosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a weird thing. Even artists don't know what they do. So, what? yeah, <laughs> yeah, word. Um, so, yeah, so I came back to pretty determined and I was like, this is it. I found my life. Like, yeah, I'm, sick. I'm devoted, so you figured devoted, it out. You know? Yeah. Some people never figure it out, bro. Oh, I don't know. So it's good that you figured it out. out. <laughs> it's, it's, it's some path. It's saying, okay, I, I think figuring I'm on something. It, I feel like figuring it out is just like finding that one thing and fucking rolling with a punt. That's it. So what happened after New York? What? So I came back and um, I guess I was just wanted to keep running the galleries, but at the same time I was pursuing my own work and I got really excited to paint. And mm. I think that the more I got into making art, the worse I got at running the galleries. Okay. And so by the time 2016 rolled around, mm. you know, I remember when I closed the gallery. I mean, it's a story, but I was in Taiwan. I was about to have an exhibition and I just knew I couldn't make rent on the gallery and I knew I'd been negligent. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. It's yeah. over. Yeah. And um, so I closed it. You know, so it was it was kind of one of those things where I thought five years was a good run. Yeah. No regrets. Right. Um, that shit's fire though, man. You would have fucking had that mad experience. Like you can't buy shit like that. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, and it meant the world to me. You know, after mm. that I was like, I couldn't even live in Melbourne. Yeah. You know, I'd go to shows, people would ask me about it. I felt trapped. Mm. Like it was like, oh my God, like I've, I've killed something and yeah. I feel like dirty. <laughs> Not dirty, but like, I felt like you I let, like I let something the, down or like, yeah. it was like, like something you betrayed died. the scene or something like that. Something or, like that, bro. Yeah. But at the same time, Which I is knew ridiculous, it was the really. best thing to do. But so I needed a change. I went and lived mm. in Sydney and then that sort of started quite How a How long years. were you up there for? About a year. Yeah, Sydney was, is not doable. It was all man, green right? lights though, bro. But I didn't want to live there at the time. I See, the there, thing, the yeah. thing with Sydney is that it's just so fucking different to Melbourne. Mm. And take it from a guy who grew up in Adelaide <laughs> <laughs> and then lived in both cities. Yeah, I lived in Sydney for five Where'd years. Where'd you live in Sydney? In the city, like in Piedmont. Yeah, right. Darling okay. Harbour. Yeah, I was in um, Surrey Hills. Yeah, but I got lucky though. I, yeah, I paid yeah. five sixty-five a dope. month in Surrey Hills. Well, we had an apartment with three of. rooms and it was, yeah, it was the three of us, like me, Rosa and Danny. So it was, back then I think it was like 450 bucks, bro, a yeah, week. Right. Yeah, a week. And, and Rosa, had his, Rosa had his own bathroom and he paid 200. So me and Danny paid like 125 each. Oh, yeah, that's all right. To live in the city. That's one funny thing about Sydney and Melbourne. There's, there's a couple of funny differences that I always picked out because mm. I never really understood the Melbourne-Sydney rivalry, I thought. And mm. I think it's more on the Melbourne side. Everyone mm. in Sydney, like, digs Melbourne. And yeah. all Melbourne no, people are like, fuck Sydney. No, it's true, bro. It's a weird thing. 100% man. true. And uh, People in Sydney love Melbourne, man. They're yeah. like, man, I can't wait to go down to Melbourne. You're like, oh. oh. I thought you yeah. fucking hated Melbourne. What? No, it's all these Melbourne they're people like, oh, that apparently hate see, Sydney for no like, reason. They're know? like, oh, the boutiques around Chapel Street. I can't wait to go shop. I'm like, boutiques around Ch the Chapel Street has boutiques? <laughs> I'm like, bro, I'm like three minutes away from Chapel Street and I don't know that. Hey, you probably got a better chance getting a lukewarm pie down there than anything else. Bro, Rosa, Rosa hit me up once and I was living in Melbourne and he goes, bro, I can't wait to come down to Melbourne. We're going to go to Chapel Street. I've got to buy some, like, cufflinks, get some shirts, get some, you know, he, like, he's a business guy, so he's like, mm. we'll get some ties and shit. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> Where do you get that shit? <laughs> you, you get that shit? He's like, yeah, the boutiques are Chapel Street. I'm like, yeah, boutiques on Chapel Street. I've never be. seen them. Dude, but Chapel Street, I remember when I was young, it was like, that was, even my mum would say to me, like, that's a fashion, that's where you go to, to to buy shit. Like, now it just smells like piss up there, bro. It suffered in COVID. Oh time. my God. That you know, out big time. I take a lot of photos and shit and I cruise up there like mad early fucking all the time. 
Yeah. And it's disgusting. And the earthquake hit it's there. Dis- that building yeah. fell down. Yeah, yeah. that's Street. right next to uh, Union Heights, Frank's uh, hip-hop shop. I know. Is there a ley line on Chapel Street? I don't know. Bro, if you go there at uh, if you go there about five o'clock Saturday, Sunday morning, it's just littered with yeah. garbage. Yeah, like yeah, they yeah. have guys, teams with the leaf blowers that blow it all onto oh, the street. I hate that. And trucks come and they just pick up all the fucking garbage and all you can smell is piss. Why can't people get fucked up and be responsible for that? Yeah, I, I mean, know. whatever, whatever. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't say nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> you, feel, you throw the throwing it out the window, mm. the fast moving car or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw the Macca's bag on the highway. Um, I don't think I ever did that shit, but I think I did it once as a joke because um, someone thought I would never do it, and I just did it. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's disgusting. You know, sorry to Mother Earth for it. Yeah. But um, yeah. So, but yeah, this. That Melbourne Sydney thing is is, is bizarre, like because I expected the rivalry or whatever. But yeah, Sydney people love Melbourne. Mm. But I think I think Melbourne people envision Sydney as like the Northern Beaches culture. Like they think mm. everyone's fucking Aryan living on Bondi. Yeah, you know. But they don't understand that how diverse Sydney is and actually yeah. how hardworking it is, and mm-hmm. you know um, all of the different facets and areas and how large and sprawling Sydney yeah. is. And it's actually in many ways just as or more working class than Melbourne. Yeah, and I think. Whatever that, especially resi- our west, like for sure. Whatever that resentment is, is is completely fictive or belongs mm. to some other sort of you know, nineteen twenties generation that sort of yeah. thought, oh, New South Wales people or whatever, you know, that sort of we inherited. But one thing, dude, is like they pay rent weekly. Mm. We're all, we're always per month yeah. in Melbourne. Sydney's yeah, yeah. always per week. Yeah, I think it's changing. We're per week now as well, but. And I kind of feel Back like a rent day. was cheaper up there for some reason. I don't know. Maybe oh, it was just it's a different more, time. It's, cheap, it's more expensive. In yeah. Sydney. Yeah. But then, or maybe it was what it is now. Was, yeah, but then, know. and the other thing is sushi. Like everywhere there's sushi train. In Sydney? And everywhere here is just sit down. Yeah. And I never understood that. Why they In op- Sydney, op- when, I, when I was up there, it was all Thai. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. you go wherever, whichever pub you go to, there's a Thai kitchen in that pub. Yeah, yeah. And then when I came to Melbourne, I was like, "Yo, let's get some Thai food." And they're like, "Where do you get that from?" I was <laughs> like, "Yo, man, where, where's the Thai Thai joint?" But anyway, so, so you you started. Like, when did you start making your like? When did you start doing your art? Oh, through that whole time. So when I when I started working the gallery, I was making video art, performance art, mm-hmm. and then. Um, through that time I started painting. So I had, whilst I was still running the gallery, those shows, I went to Queensland and showed with a mate of mine, Holly, James Holly. And, um, you know, we'd show in Queensland. And so probably like 2013, I really started painting. And mm. then that sort of led into those shows in Japan and Taiwan and Macau. Yeah, word. Then, yeah, so then the gallery closed, went to Sydney, then I spent about a year there and I just felt like I didn't want to put my feet in the ground there. It felt mm. it had been a good year. I didn't want to go back to Melbourne either. Um, so I kind of did some organising and organised some residencies. So that year I went up and stayed in Lismore for a bit, made some paintings, uh, took them up to the Gold Coast, showed them with Holly. Then I went to WA, looked after a friend's studio for about a month or six weeks down in South uh, WA, like Margaret River, mm. painted there. Sick, um, bro. Then came back, stopped in Sydney for a bit, worked in a restaurant again, which I was doing over the years, like in and out of hospitality as well to support myself. Mm-hmm. Then I went down to Tasmania, um, had a residency there with a friend of and fellow artist, Maddie, Maddie Sharrick, and um, we worked there for a month, produced some works there that we showed. And then I kind of got back to Melbourne and it had sort of been sort of eight months kind of going around the country and scraping together again and making it work. And I sort of wasn't happy in Melbourne. I felt like I didn't want to be here. It was too soon, even mm. after a couple of years. Yeah. And so I I sort of just worked and, and got some money together and went overseas. Thought I'd give it a crack in, in the UK. Lived in London for about a year and travelled before then. Had a residency at a friend's property, fellow artist as well, Chris Jewett. Mm. Um, stayed on his family's farm there for a, a couple of months and made some paintings there. And then, 
yeah, kind of got into London and it was good, man. I, I really liked living there and I could imagine living there again. Oh, um, no shit. But it's, The weather? To be honest, man, I don't That's mind. That's the one thing about London I just don't, I can't you can understand. Get out. You can go to Portugal and shit. Yeah, you have to go somewhere else to get vitamin D shit. Like, Correct. You just need to do but, it. Oh, but getting, it's getting up every day and it just being grey, like it can be a bit depressing. Mm. Um, but it's like it's that same thing about <laughs> um, sometimes it depends on you on on what you're into. But I sometimes like the anonymity of those big cities because it one thing that I've never liked about Melbourne is I've, I feel it's really paternalistic and it puts me into kind of like an infantile consciousness. I feel like we're the nanny state of the world. Mm. Um, even before COVID, yeah, you know, it's massive. Like public health risk, risk management. Like it's so funny how that works. And as in well London, they just don't care. It's just like for whatever reason, it's like the government is not your daddy. Well, last week they they uh, you know. removed masks and they yeah kids workplaces um, and what else happened? Some other shit happened as well. They were like no mandated vax or something. There's some yeah some they've crazy, dropped everything. Yeah, they've just gone fuck this and shit. Denmark. Let's yeah, let's move on. Yeah, which is man. Well, they know they can't uh, handle it because like compliance here was so effective because they were able to roll out seven hundred a week for everyone. Mm. You know, for a while. So it was kind of that was but the it's harsh put money. Put us into so much debt, man. It's well, that's crazy. It. it doesn't help, and it gets it's people crazy. used to unemployment. They're saying two hundred and fifty years, bro, of debt. This has caused. Oh, they could put any fucking number on it, you know. And and basically, it's probably all tax money, taxpayer money going into whatever modelling that they've created to come up with their projection of two hundred and fifty years. So you know, that's probably a bit more money down the toilet coming up. I with mean, that figure, man, it doesn't bother me because, like I said, man, I'm here for the next whatever. But yeah. I don't want to be that selfish either. You know, mm. I want future generations to be, you know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to have kids. I decided that a long time ago. Mm. There is no fucking chance in hell. Okay. That I'm raising a little fucking Drew's lax. <laughs> <laughs> I can see him though. No weirdly. fucking chance. And mm. I've just kind of gone like... Well, that's kind of like what started to bother me because a lot of the people around me that had children just gave no fuck about none of this COVID shit. Mm. And I was online writing comments and fighting with people and this, that, whatever, and I just kind of woke up one day and just went, wait a second, if all these people with children don't give a fuck about this shit, what the fuck do I give a fuck about this shit? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I'm like, I'm just going to continue living my best life. Like, fuck it. Which kind of sounds horrible. I, I can see that or whatever, but it's, it's like, fuck, man, what's the alternative? Mm. Arguing online with fucking morons. Anyway. Yeah, that's a nightmare. London. I mean, I've been always been fascinated. Dude, I lived in Limehouse. With the in UK. The East and but the, but they have a lot of culture there as well. Oh, I, I loved it. The, I mean, the only that have a lot of like, like art galleries, and there's a lot of street art, and I know because I know from the hip hop side of things, there's a lot of like dope DJs that come from from yeah. London. Yeah. Um, not not just hip hop, like uh, house dance. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of my fucking favorite DJs of all time, man. They're all like from London and shit. Definitely. So, I mm. mean, it's. I mean, if you were saying, like, you know, New York was the place in the 70s and 80s and stuff like that, mm. I mean, I feel like things come out of London. It's a good place to be. And if you're into your art, you know, like, it's a good place to kind of – it's it's hard. Yeah. But you want to be in the hard. Yeah. You want to be in the harsh ground. Because mm. if, you, if you grow in the harsh ground – Yeah, yeah. It's like then, a coal, Then man. you're all good. You it's know, like, like – coal um, squeeze and become the you diamond can, you can get You can get into – you can run to the top of the scene in Melbourne or whatever and still live mm. in a vacuum. You know, like I think if you if you do something in London, it can have international yeah. sort of, what do you use it you really want? Do you want to be famous? You know, what, mm. what what's your ego sort of yeah, like? Yeah, to, yeah. Where is it taking you? Is it taking you to it's, a good place? You know, why do you want to be in London just to be at the top of a game? Yeah. Like, is it a game? And then it's like, well, there's also this thing about like um, frequencies rising mm. and it's like certain frequencies need to rise at different periods of time. Mm. And if you believe in yourself and you believe that your frequency needs to meet the most amount of years or eyes or whatever it is at a certain point in time and you believe that, go for it. Yeah. You know, if you think you're playing around in the ego pool, fucking around, don't worry. Yeah. Quit. 
Yeah, yeah. But if you think you're rising a frequency that the public needs to hear, mm. go. Yeah. You know? That's how and I feel with this shit, yeah, with I've, the podcast shit. That's yeah. right. And I, and, and I believe in myself in that level, mm. you know, um, whether people like that or not. Yeah, or whether yeah, or yeah. not that makes people think I'm on some trip. Nah, whatever. not at all, man. But, you know, it's, I guess my visa was for two years. I was doing different work there. I did a bit of hospitality. I worked in TV just to get sort of set up. Mm-hmm. But I, I knew I needed more time. Yeah. And I spoke to a very good friend of mine, fellow artist, um, confidant, someone who's inspired me through the years. And I came back to Melbourne to study. Mm-hmm. So I thought if I was going to go back into London and, and really crack at it for the next 20 years, yeah, it'd be really good for me to, to go in and incubate and be a student. So I came back and... I studied, so I did a certificate, which allowed me to apply for a master's degree because I hadn't done an undergrad. Mm-hmm. And then I've done one year of a master's degree in contemporary art, and I'm about to start my second, you know, which is also up in the air because they've mandated. Yeah, I don't even want to tell them if I'm vaxxed or not. You know, yeah, for yeah. me, that's private. Yeah, yeah. Um, despite what comes out here, so it's been complex ground. But I think I should be able to finish the course, and then hopefully that's something that, when it comes down to it, is a is a good time to like learn a lot, introspective time, study up, mm. learn your shit, yeah. and then be able to go in and find your people and find your contemporaries and your people, and yeah. and be confident to do so. Yeah, yeah. Rather than feeling like um, you're sort of punching above your weight or you know yeah. that sort of thing. It's like pitching a ten, man. You, so simple analogy, but you can't sleep if it's on the floor, man. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to protect you unless you put it up and you, you can get inside it. So it's where they used to say, like, learn the rules so you can break them. Mm. Now it's like... Learn the rules so you can function with, within them. <laughs> go, in, go into debt so... <laughs> yeah, 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 go, yeah. Go, go into debt so you can dig yourself out of it like everyone else. I don't mm. know where that's cynical, but, you know, yeah. I mean, I might get to the end of this and say, look, school is... Fucking waste of time. And That's I'd how be I felt. Happy to do it. I felt. Um, I felt like that really early in my life. I but did it's more a, like I could. You could do it for yourself. You could sit in a room mm. for three years and educate yourself. See, school for me now is everything's on there on on the computer. Everything's there, mm. and I don't need to pay anybody to teach me what I want to learn because it's yeah. all there. Yeah, and it's all free. But then um, again, if it becomes kind of I, like a, I did a, a marketing a linkage to kind of different um, like libraries. Uh, mm. And then feedback, um, and then post that networks yeah. and different people that will sort of help your career go. But yeah. then you feel like me, and you sit outside of it anyway, and you're hanging around an art school, and basically they don't want you there because mm. of your political or views on yeah. COVID or whatever. Then why go? Why yeah. go into a debt for would, a bunch I'll, of people that aren't going to want to help you anyway? Bro, I wouldn't go near that shit, bro. Personally, that's just my opinion. Yeah. I I did a marketing d- degree in my early twenties as well. My parents paid for it. Yeah. Um. Didn't finish it and never saw myself in that field. Yeah. That's why I ended up failing. I think it was like the last seven subjects or some shit, and I just yeah. didn't want to do that shit, bro. When my, I don't know, man. I kind of feel like. The best school is the school like of life. I hundred percent agree. You doing you doing a gallery, getting a gallery opened up at that early age. You go to Egypt. It. That was the education. You go on to New York, then you go on to London. All these things that you're telling me, man, they don't involve a fucking sitting in a classroom, yeah. listening to some fucking dude teach the shit that he's not fucking really even passionate about anymore. Like, I guess I look. I agree you know, with you, you know, but I also think that there's a slight difference to that. To then studying in your field and studying yeah. in your profession in your mid thirties. Yeah. It's kind of, it's more selective. It's like, I know exactly what I'm doing with that course Yeah, in terms of what I think I can get out of it and where it could take me professionally. And it's a bit strategic and it's a bit fucking pragmatic, mm. but sometimes shit's like that. And sometimes you've got to pitch the tent, you know, like sometimes mm. you've got to like, but then maybe you got to do it to know I just you, wouldn't you, want you didn't know you had to do it. But at the same time, also, I've read more in the last two years than I read I in tell, the previous 10. Can I tell you I read one more thing? books in two years than in the previous 10. With the know? with the schooling shit, I just wouldn't want to be around all those fucking douchebags, bro. Like you said, mm. there's a lot of people there that don't want you there, man. Yeah. And you're giving them your money and shit. You know how, where I learned how to do all this shit, editing, mm. the, the cameras, suss out, you know how complex... That yeah. fucking camera is over there. That's a Sony A7S three, bro. 
That yeah. thing is like the fucking shit they fucking used to put you on the moon 30, 40 years ago. Was like, that's like fucking 150 times more complicated and shit. Look, I, learned I agree that, with I you. learned it there. Your story is your story, though. You know, it's like For no regrets. Free. If the story is to then engage with something that yeah. then you re- realize oh, I never needed to do it in the first place, it's still been some valuable thing. Like mm. even your your enemy is your best teacher. Yeah. You know, you're still going to, if you go into something and for whatever reason it doesn't work out or it stares you back in the face and says, hey, you, you came here because you had self-doubt. Mm. You went into debt with your education because you felt like you couldn't do it yourself. Why don't you grow a spine? You know, then at least Just I've learned. At least I've learned that lesson, though. No, nah, no, nah, do it yourself, man. Hey, do it yourself. We'll see what happens. I'm going to try and finish this course. You know, but do, I'm do, telling you, do it's, what you need when, to do. When you shake and you dance with the devil yeah, and the yeah. institution, it's like it raises some qu- big time questions. And sometimes you get the antithetical sort of answer. Yeah. And I'm telling you, bro, I've gained a lot from the experience, regardless of whether it has an outcome or not. Mm. So it's fine. It's just. Well, if it makes sense to Continuing you. Continuing the story, yeah. Yeah, if it makes sense to you, you do what makes sense to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's life, man. You just got to go and on, roll like, with the even punches, like a, man. Like even like a visa. Like let's say I want to go back into Europe, mm-hmm. right? They say, okay, you're an artist. Like you, you might have a little bit of profile or whatever, like, but, you know, shit, like what, we're going to give you a professional visa. Mm. You know, you're basically a guy who's been in and out of hospitality. You made some paintings. We don't give a shit. Mm. You put a master's next to that, you can get a professional visa. You can go live anywhere in the world. That's gangster. You well, know what I mean? There you go. That's dope. If this, it's, I mean, if it's like a key yep. to unlock doors, exactly. you got to get it that's and you right. got to do it. So that's, that's, so that's what I'm saying. About. Like if it makes sense to you and yeah. if you feel like it's, it's something that you need to do and to get, yeah. go for it, man. Yeah. All I want from people is for them to better themselves. Exactly. I want people not to destroy themselves because I've done that shit and it's it's there's a lot to be learned there. Yeah. But you don't need to do what I did. Just yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like pick up a camera, get a fucking canvas, mm. buy a couple of spray cans, see how you go. Mm. Um get off your phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like these are the things that like this is the advice that I would give to you as a as a 42-year-old fucking bloke that's been through hell and back and done all sorts of shit in my life. Yo, if it makes sense to you, it's it's that's all that's you're the only person it needs to make sense to, you know what I'm saying? So, get yeah. that masters, man, stop. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than fucking um walking into a pub every single night and drinking yourself to fucking death. It's better than oh, yeah. uh a whole bunch of shit, bro. You know what I'm saying? So as long as you're you're improving and you're fucking Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think it's something that's it's happening. You know, so I gotta trust in it. Yeah. And um it's what it's part of what's going on in my life at the like moment. Like you said, man, um, once once you get that key, you never know where that, that shit'll take you as well. You yeah. know, so and sometimes those boundaries around what you're doing help you to kind of frame your psychology. Like it's been it's been important for me to feel like like to be a student. Mm. And to kind of even um, within my imaginary kind of that I'm learning again, you know. And, you know, maybe we're learning all the time and blah, blah, blah and mm. never stop learning and stuff yeah. like that. But there's also times where you, you're in charge and and you're teaching. Yeah. So for me it's also been – I did that before my years almost. Yeah, yeah. You know, so then in a sense it's been really good to kind of sort of be in a scenario where I'm letting myself feel the, like I'm filling the cup again, mm. you know. Start. But anyway, man, I think maybe we should wrap up. Sure. I think that was a fucking dope conversation. And let's just leave it at that. I think that was a good way to end it and shit. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, Thank Nick for coming in. I thought this was fucking dope. I hope you got something out of this. Um, I sure as hell did. I thought it was, uh, like I said, dope conversation. And, um, yo, till next time. Thanks for having me, Driz. Yeah, thank you for coming in, brother. It really is. appreciate it. Love this shit. All right, peace. Word up. Peace.